0: Today's verse is our Colossians chapter 1, 11 to 14. We also pray, this is the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the church in the town of Colossae, which is a small town that had known better days in what is now Turkey. And uh, he says, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power, so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Father, we thank you so much for the joy in our worship this morning, your presence with us And as we look at your word now, Father, we ask you, enlarge our hearts and our faith. And let's put down bigger foundations as we take the joy and the celebration of our worship. And as we read at the beginning of our worship, we root it in your word and in our hearts, minds and spirits. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, the Apostle Paul is talking to this church, and uh, he says, We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power. Last week, we looked at the previous verses, and that was about how God would give us the knowledge of his will with all spiritual wisdom. But today, he wants us strengthened with glorious power. Now, it is God's glorious power. And what we've heard a little bit this morning in our worship is God doesn't want us to do it. He doesn't expect us to live as Christians in our own strength. Being Christians involves dying and being raised to new life. And part of our problem, part of my problem as a Christian, is I keep trying to raise myself from the dead and go back to my old life, my old skills, my old ways of doing things, my old ways of overcoming. And uh, what Paul wants us to do, as you read through his letters, is to be united with Christ. What Je- how Jesus described it is, I am the vine and you are the branches. You can do nothing unless you are in me. And Jesus wants us to be those who are united with him and who are being strengthened with his glorious power, not our intellect, not our history, not our social standing, not our good works, none of that. He wants us strengthened with his glorious power. So what is the power of God? How big is our God? Well, Jeremiah says this, O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. That's quite a simple statement. And um, over the years, I've been to lots of Christian homes, and quite a number of them have this verse, nothing is too hard for you. O sovereign Lord, you've made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Now, in terms of everything that exists in this room, everything that exists across our planet, everything that exists in the starry skies, God made. God made. Now, because some of you might ask me afterwards, I don't know exactly how he made it. I don't even know if he made it in seven days or whether it was over a few million years. I don't know because there are very, very brainy people who prove that he did do it in seven days, and Christians, and very, very brainy Christians who prove that it took millions of years. I'm not going to pit my little brain against them. All I'm going to say is this. God made the world. God made the world. And he didn't tell us exactly how he made it. He told us why he made it. And he made it for a dwelling place for you and me. And you know what? All the glorious stars, he made them. The other day, I was walking down the street with my granddaughter and she lives in London and as we're coming down the street I said that's Saturn up there and that's Mars up there and she just goes what? I can see planets? In London you don't see them. Um, <coughs> God made them all and he said hey they're good. He made all the all the sea, the fishes, all of that. And he said, that was very good. He made the sun, he made the light, he separated the light from the darkness. He said, "Oh, that was good. made the planet, that's good." He made dogs and cats, and he said, "They're good. Then he made us." And he stood back and said, "Well, they are very good. They are very good. We are of so much worth than a dog or a cat. Really, that is true. (laughs) And when God wanted to reveal himself to the whole of the universe, he chose to be a human because we are the most precious thing to him in the whole universe. You and me you and me. And don't let anyone try and fool you that there are better things in the universe than you and me. There are greater things. Angels are far more powerful than us. But when God made them, he said, oh, they're good. He said, when he made you and me, he said, they are very good. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1, 20, verse 24, But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. No matter who is wise, no matter who is strong, God is bigger and greater. You can say amen to it. Made noise in the worship you make noise in the preach. In Ephesians 1, 19 to 21, Paul writes this, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. We are to be people strengthened with God's glorious power, with his power, not with our our weakness, not with our wisdom, not with our strength, but with God's power. Now, why does God want us to have this power? Because this is an interesting one. Because often we would think we want the power of God to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons. We want the power of God to see the miracles that Jesus saw. And so we need to be strengthened with God's glorious power for that. I think we've read it three times now, so you should know where this is going. It's for none of those things that Paul writes here. Because to be honest, Peter and Paul didn't struggle with miracles and signs and wonders. Peter would wander down the street in the sunshine. Who remembers what sunshine is? (laughs) It's coming. He would wander down the street in the sunshine and his shadow would fall upon some person who was ill and they'd get healed. Now that's... Not a lot of work, is it? Hey, I'll just walk around Kettering in the sunshine when it comes. Paul touches a handkerchief, someone takes it home, and they're instantly healed when they touch it. The miracles, the signs, and the wonders aren't really the hard work of Christianity. They're the natural fruit, almost, of just living in him. So Paul says this I want you to be strengthened with this glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need gives you a bit of a clue to what a christian life is like you need all of god's power just to have the endurance and the patience to live as a christian We all thought it was really easy. The church is lovely, there's lovely people there. We're all nice to one another. But for Paul, he saw that we needed all the power of God to endure and to have patience. I remember many years ago, <coughs> it was my first year in London, and I hadn't been, I'd only been a Christian a couple of years, I'd only been to church for about nine months, and uh, I went up to do a voluntary team in London with the London City Mission, and <coughs> I'd not really had to mix with Christians at the time, I just had a small Brethren Chapel that I went to, um, there are sort of 15 or so young people and the rest of the people were actually my age now <laughs> they looked so much older <laughs> but i remember walking across london bridge and i had been talking to god on the way up there i said god i'm like and this is great speaking to this and not the youth because you will remember these like a, a, a wooden ruler that is bending and bending and bending. We used to have French in my school, uh, my secondary school, and our goal at the end of a French lesson was, one, to get our French master to break a ruler, secondly, to slam his fist on the table, and if we really felt we were succeeding, we got him to run out the classroom. That was a sort of school weird thing. (coughs) I don't speak French, unsurprisingly. But this ruler, I said, God, it's bending and bending and bending and bending. I'm going to break. Just the pressure I'm under here, just the trying to perform, the pressure I'm under trying to sort out the arguments among all the people, the pressure I'm under sort of reporting to the team leader. I'm I'm bending, I'm bending, I'm bending. It's going to snap. What are you going to do? He said to me, well, I can watch you snap if you like. (laughs) Not overly keen on that, God. He said, or you can put the ruler down and stop thinking that you can do it all and let me hold your hand and let me walk through with it. And it sounds like an easy thing to do. It's like, hey, I'm going I'm to snap, I'm not feeling so much pressure. Oh yeah, let's just put all that down and hold God's hand. But what I've found over the years is actually... I like to be responsible for things. I like to try and figure out what the answer is. I like to try and persevere and get through the difficulties. And sometimes stepping back and actually saying, God, I can't do this, will you give me The power and the wisdom and the strength to walk through it. And sometimes it's a horribly humbling experience to have to stand back and say, Actually, God, I'm not good enough. Actually, God, I can't do this on my own. Actually, God, I haven't got the answers do you know what happens it's like there's a party in heaven at last he's got it it's my glorious strength that will give perseverance and patience and endurance and wisdom to enable Dave to walk along the Christian life it's not about his performance. Paul was praying for this church that they would receive all glorious power from God just to get through life. And sometimes we just have to step back and say I can't do it. And what I have found is much easier is to go into a room to shut the door make sure no one else is in the room, and say to God, actually, God, I can't do this. And sometimes nothing happens. And he says, go out of the door, because I've placed you in a body, and I want you to ask for help from the body and the people and the gifts that I've put around you. And my temptation is to run back and say, yeah, let's just go to the little room again. I can do this here. I can admit to you that I'm not good enough. Can I admit to everybody else? I mean, the number of times I have not come down to the front of the stage, sort of towards the stage, (laughs) I'm going to keep on track here, simply because they've said something like, if you're really struggling today, please come forward. And it's like, it's gonna be a bit obvious if I wander down the front, that I'm struggling. Do I want people to know that I'm struggling? The actual question to ask is do I want God's glorious power to come and enable me to get through life? That's the question we should be asking. Do I want God's glorious power to get me through life or do I want to get through life on my own? Struggling, failing, and occasionally getting some victory. Paul encourages this church to abide in Jesus, to abide together, to see the power of God give all endurance. And then he prays, may you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit and we should be, getting, we should be growing in joy, not diminishing in joy. And as we get older, and as we get more mature, as we allow more of the fruit of the Spirit to, jo- to grow in us, we should be growing in joy. Because we belong to a joyful God. We, lo- we, we belong to a God who knows how to celebrate. And... And there's a reason for our joy. He has enabled us to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave us our sins. Jesus has qualified us to live in his kingdom. For most people, and there's a lot of people here, you have qualified for your work through passing an exam, passing numerous exams passing numerous tests and some of you have got years more of passing exams to get where you want to to get into the kingdom of God to do the work of God there is no exam there is no exam Jesus has done it all He passed when he gave himself on the cross and we know he passed because he rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven where he sits now with a name above all other names. Jesus has qualified us. He has passed the test for us and we stand in him and we don't have to do anything. Wouldn't that be great if he became a doctor like that? maybe not for the patients, but (laughs) accountants didn't have years of exams. Electricians didn't have to get their qualifications. But we are in the kingdom of God because Jesus has qualified us. Jesus has clothed us in righteousness. Jesus has forgiven us our sins. I thought that might get a cheer, but never mind we've been rescued from the world in which we used to live the probability is if jesus hadn't broken into my life that i would have been dead a long time ago just the trajectory of my life was in such a such a way that it probably would have ended unhappily but jesus rescued me out of that and some of us <coughs> have had very dramatic rescues. Um, some of us hardly notice, it was just a gentle tug. But the rescue is the same. Jesus has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. He's rescued us from someone whose sole purpose was to destroy harm, steal, and lie to us. His sole purpose was that, and God has rescued us out of that into a kingdom of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, gentleness, and self-control. He's taken us into a kingdom of joy, into a kingdom where righteousness reigns, into a kingdom where there's healing, there's restoration, where broken lives can be restored. Sometimes immediately, sometimes over years. Because our God is a mystery, as we've heard several times today. But that is what we've been taken out of this muck and this filth, even though sometimes it looked very good, and he's put us into something that is far, 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 to infinity, better. That's what God has done for us. And he's placed us into his kingdom which is a secure kingdom because it's a king that is undefeated. It is a king that has as his champion, someone has taken on all of hell and won, crushed them underneath their feet. So we are secure. It's a kingdom of provision because if, if God has created the heavens and the earth, he can create a few pounds to make sure that we can live on. It's a kingdom that is ruled, not by harsh judgment and justice, as it were, but ruled by love and forgiveness and mercy, where we constantly receive what we don't deserve. We constantly receive God's mercy. It's a kingdom where we have been redeemed. We owed God everything, and we had nothing to give him, so Jesus gave it all for us. Paul is praying in this prayer for a church that is doing well. He's not talking to a group that are failing. He's talking to a church that are facing some challenges and he prays that they will have all they need to go on their journey. He prays that they will know the knowledge of God's will, that they may live a life worthy to please him, bearing fruit and growing in the knowledge of God. That was last week. He prays that they will receive power to endure with patience, full of joy, because of the deep understanding that they are children of the living God. Those are good things for us to be praying for open door as we continue our journey together. But I do want to challenge us. I want to challenge us to be joyful people. I want to challenge us to look to God's glorious power and not our own lives I want to challenge you to be better than me in putting up your hands when you're in trouble I want to challenge us to be a more open people so we recognise the good things we recognise our gifts we recognise the part that we can play in open door But we also recognise our weaknesses. We recognise our problems. We recognise our challenges. And we're not just hiding in a little room saying, God, I can't do this. But we're standing together. Not necessarily as a whole church on Sunday, everyone coming forward. But with friends you have in the church Let us stand together so that we can see more of God's glorious power to have patience and endurance to overcome. And as we do that, we're going to see some miracles. We are going to see people in Northamptonshire becoming Christians. We're going to see them being rescued from the kingdom of God's enemy to the kingdom of Of God's Son maybe a few years before we walk down the street in the sun and our shadows heal but it's biblical let's believe for more but for goodness sake let's not think we can do it but let's believe that God's glorious power can give us patience and endurance and the miracles to bring freedom to the world in which we live. God bless.